This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another, yes, another emergency live stream um, because the Knicks did a thing. And uh, today, uh, earlier today, they did a thing that left people unhappy. I trust the thing they did today is a thing that will make people happy, although uh, it will probably also continue to raise questions. We've been talking about that a lot already because we've been presuming this is going to happen. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more now, um, but let's get right to it. Jeremy Cohen, um, you are now. Actually, I was going to say you are now no longer the only redhead associated with the New York Knicks, but Benji has been here for a while. So now you three form a formidable trio, you guys and Dante DiVincenzo. How does that feel? feels great. I always love looking up to people and uh, it's nice. It's nice to see people that look like you achieve your dreams. So, uh, you know, listen, anyone with red hair would probably draw a comparison to me and Benji. Benji, if anyone knows what it's like, was like, oh, you look nothing like that person, uh, but they're redheads. So you guys are like twins. So that's pretty much how it goes. But that's OK. Uh, I'm really happy about the signing. I got to be right here. Nice. Oh, IPA. yeah. Cheers. 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 Yep. And uh, this is good. I think. As you said, we've talked about this plenty. The thing that's most of note is the full mid-level exception would have been around $53.3 million. Mm -hmm. Dante DiVincenzo signed for what was reported as $50 million. That means that if you structured the deal based on ascending salary, 5%, uh, instead of a cap hit of $12.4 million, it would likely shake out to $11.6. Why is that noteworthy? Because it seems like, hey, $800,000 or so, doesn't seem like that much. Uh, my guess, every penny counts, as we've talked about. So I'm fascinated by if there is another move, because we've talked about, hey, maybe there's something minor. Maybe there is something major, because if the Knicks... I mean, the Knicks could have easily just given him the full mid-level exception, and no one would have batted an eye. But the fact that he's making slightly less than that kind of insinuates that the money is... Closer. Notable. So as you do that, I'm going to crunch some quick numbers because I'm you curious d- about a thought. You do that. Um, I'm going to I'll go through a couple of things while you while you crunch some numbers. Um, the first thing is we should just say flatly. And look, this is maybe not a universal opinion. It certainly is not a an opinion that I think is very controversial. The Knicks got better today. Um, Obi Toppin, we talked about him earlier. He's a really good player, but we also talked about him in the context of the same way we've been talking about him for three years, which is he is a player that the Knicks, um, he's a he's a round peg that for the last three years the Knicks have been trying to fit into something of a square hole. Um, now they get a guy who it's not even to say that he fits into what they're trying to do because this is the sort of player that fits into what literally every NBA team is trying to do because he is a guy who 
is he great at anything? No, although he actually is. He actually is great at one thing. We'll get to it a bit. Um, but he's really good at all the important stuff that you need to be good at to stay on the court and play, you know, 20, 25 minutes a night for, for pretty much any team in the league. Um, did they get a little smaller today? Yes. I'm going to, and I'm talking for the brief moment as if this is the team that's going into the season. Um, yeah, they're a little smaller. Um, they don't have a traditional backup four at the moment, but right now as things stand, they will be slated to run out a backup unit of Emmanuel quickly, um, RJ Barrett, uh, because he plays with the subs, uh, Josh Hart and Dante DiVincenzo. And Hart, RJ will kind of split the back, would kind of split the backup for four minutes. And so instead of Obi Toppin, a guy who's going to run to the corner and, you know, kind of getting out in transition, you have in Dante DiVincenzo a guy who is, I won't call him a combo guard. But he's like one notch down from a combo guard. And that gets me to the one thing that if you're going to say that Dante DiVincenzo was excellent at something, um, it's this. He is as good a ball mover on the wing as there is, I think, in the league. And I'm, I'm not over-exaggerating when I say that. Uh, last season, uh, so for anybody who doesn't know, Cleaning the Glass, great site that we uh, cite all the time. Uh, has this great stat, which is assist to uh, usage ratio, which basically, you know, given a player's usage, um, how much, how many assists do they get? And it's not a stat that if you rank highly in, it's necessarily a compliment because this is a stat that uh, people who are high in this stat are typically guys who, like, they very clearly don't want to shoot, like your Ricky Rubios of the world and your, your Draymond Greens of the world. And yes, you're Nikola Jokic's of the world because Nikola Jokic, as we know, would rather pass than than shoot. And it's if you're high in this stat, typically speaking, it's kind of it could actually be a little bit of a red flag because it signals players who maybe they have a questionable shot or they're not they 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 just, you know they're gun shy when it comes to shooting it. Sure enough, guess who had the highest assist to usage ratio on the Knicks last season? Josh Hart. What does Josh Hart not always like to do? We shoot the ball. Dante DiVincenzo's uh, assistant um, usage ratio was in the 99th percentile of the league last year. But here's the thing about DiVincenzo, and this is what's really exciting. For as good a ball mover as, as he is and for as much as he can make plays at the wing position, again, kind of almost a borderline combo guard, he is deadly. Uh, deadly is maybe a little bit strong of a word. He's really, really good um, on catch-and-shoot threes. Uh, DiVincenzo last season had the 19th most catch and shoot threes in the entire league with 132. And he shot for even more importantly, shot 42.4% on those catch and shoot threes of the 18 guys ahead of him. Only a handful shot a better percentage in terms of conversion rate of those threes on catch and shoots. The Knicks now have three of the top uh, 23 players in the league last season when it comes to catch-and-shoot threes. Julius Randle was 23rd with 129, and Quentin Grimes was uh, 16th with uh, 100, or excuse me, 15th with 140. So um, in a team on a roster that is being built around the talents of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, what do you need? You need more reliable guys who, when they kick it out, um, they will fire and ideally make those shots. That is what Dante DiVincenzo does. And when you combine that 
with the ability to put the ball on the floor and make the next pass to the next guy and make the proper read and all those sorts of things. He's really kind of a, for a role player, he's a pretty dynamic offensive player. Um, Good cutter. We talked about that already. So it should be a natural fit with Hardenstein. And then on defense, he's like, look, is he's a smallish wing, but he's a guy who knows how to play defense. Uh, good, good job with splash plays, getting steals, getting in passing lanes, smart defender, tries hard, all the things you want um, to the point where to get this guy on a four year, $50 million deal, given the defense and given the fact that like, He's someone that for the entirety of his career, like I'm thinking of Evan Fournier, who, by the way, they've paid a lot more than this. Evan Fournier, I think it was a bit of an adjustment for him because he was a guy that was used to having the ball in his hands. Not that Vincenzo has not been that guy. He has always been uh, a, a, a kind of an afterthought in the, the, the groups that he's been out with uh, out there with on offense, first in Milwaukee, then Golden State. Uh, and then just the last thing I'll say, and then I'll kick it back to you, Jeremy, is uh, – he is someone that if you take out the year that was kind of marred by injury when he got injured early in uh, Milwaukee's uh, championship run, if you just kind of take out from that point, really through the end of that next season, his fourth season, and you just look at his first year, second year, third year, and then last year, his fifth season in the NBA, it's really been a steady progression up for him almost across the board in terms of statistics. His three-point shooting's more efficient. Um, and I think he's entering the prime of his career. And it's a player that I think Nick fans should be really excited to watch. I mean, you know, we don't have to talk about the chemistry with Brunson and, and Hart. Uh, so, yeah, Nick's got better today. And uh, I think everybody should be excited about the move. So uh, that was very well said. You encapsulated, I thought, DiVincenzo wonderfully in terms of the value he can add to this team. I was fascinated by the fact that the money was a little shorter. So I played around with the numbers, as I mentioned. This will either be prophetic or a really fun exercise that we get to do and it could be a what if so um i moved obi toppin out there's a reason i still believe the knicks cleared his salary and didn't take money back um if you look at okay let's say it's four years 50 million dollars even right i know i mentioned it was like uh, 11.6 million but let's i mean let's say what it was right 11 million six hundred twenty seven thousand nine hundred and seven dollars if you do that and you remove Obi, um, you obviously get lower than you would have normally. So in my mind, I'm thinking about the exercise that we did this past Sunday, where it was if you were to acquire another player, and it was a big time player, where the math potentially shakes out, and you can work it out, how would you? And we looked at four different names. Yep. And it was that Zion uh, and Cat trades just don't make sense. And then there's the Levine factor, but Levine has cooled off. And then there's the Paul George idea, but then it was, okay, well, what if Paul George isn't being traded by the Clippers and, and all of that? I am sitting here thinking, okay, I, act, I actually buy the idea that the Knicks are really still going hard after Paul George. And I'll tell you why. If you do that, get Obi Toppin's salary out, DiVincenzo, for that amount I just listed, in, and you move RJ Barrett and Evan Fournier, and then you put Paul George back into the equation with his $45 million, $640,000, million contract. Okay. You have him, Randall, Brunson, Robinson, Hart, DiVincenzo at this new number, uh, Hartenstein, Quickly, Grimes, Jeffries, Roby, Sims, McBride. 
Um, I want to say that's 13 names, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 names. So you'd hit your, your amount in terms of the, the minimum, minimum quota. rosters. Yeah. The difference in salary between what the Knicks would have team payroll wise and the luxury tax <laughs> would be $85,916, which means that the one variable here that would be subject to change is if Dante DiVincenzo does not sign for four years at $50 million. He signs for four years and just under $50 million, which would give the Knicks the avenue to have a roster of 14 players, and they would still just barely squeeze under the luxury tax. So, look, I don't know what's in store with the Knicks. I don't know what they're going to do next. But when I consider about these pieces and how close, how razor thin that is, I can't help but feel like this might be what they're looking for. And look, if they don't do this and and they go in a completely different direction, I certainly apologize. But then again, I don't apologize because I'm just listing exactly what that scenario would be and why it would make sense. And it goes back to the same conversation of if you're the Knicks and you're looking for a backup four, but you don't have someone who's like Obi Toppin. But instead, you have someone who's a three or I mean, could play the three and is also a four. You see small ball minutes, but you don't need small ball minutes anymore because you have Paul George there because he can then suit up when he's healthy. Um, they don't have enough size, but maybe that's something they can do to add in some other way, although the money is going to be tight. So all of this to say is, yeah, maybe this is an exercise in futility. But just like last year when Brunson signed and Hartenstein signed and the money did not make sense, something that was talked yep. about was wrong um and we caught it because it just didn't pass the smell test this is the same way it, it's if it quacks like a duck and if it acts like a duck and if it walks like a duck it starts to feel like a duck and with everything going on with dame and harden and potentially even paul george and all of this stuff i i can't help but feel like the knicks are on the precipice of something larger Talks have to go their way. The deal has to be right. The, the Clippers, of course, would have to be comfortable giving up Paul George. In this case, you have to imagine maybe they are if it involves James Harden going to the Clippers. Um, are there other moves that need to be made? Is it a large team deal? Is it multi-team deals? I can't tell you. All I know is this, it feels too exact for me to say I don't buy this whatsoever. Jeremy, I have to reference this movie for the second time in two days. I have not felt this way since listening to Mona Lisa Vito talk about positive traction on a 64 Buick Skylark. That's inspirational stuff. Thank you. Truly. It's got to come true you. now, but. Well, look, it, here's the thing. If we never hear word one, <laughs> if we never hear word one about uh, Paul George said, said Skylark, um, I'm not doing the, the accent. Uh that doesn't mean that this wasn't done with that in mind. Um, and like, here, let's look, let's, what do we know? We know the Knicks have already kicked the tires on Paul George, right? We know Paul George is their ties. We know from a basketball fit, you want to talk about, boy, making sense about, oh, wow, now all of a sudden uh, the backup four position isn't small because guess who's played, you know, the four at times in his career? It's, it's Paul George. It makes all sorts of sense. Um, mm. Now, 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 I'm thrown off my game. You've thrown me. Uh, I'm so, I'm, look, I, yeah, actually, no, I'm not. I'm the say prosecution, I'm man. I'm the prosecution. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it, look, and there's some other potential avenues they could go. For example, they've got 
Roby and Jeffrey's salaries, they could non-guarantee one and then fill that spot with, say, Jacob Toppin. They could upgrade him yeah. to the uh, the two, from a two-way Dual, contract to a one-way. Right. His minimum salary yeah. would then be a bit smaller cap hit-wise than someone like Jeffries or even Roby. And it would give the Knicks the opportunity to still have DiVincenzo at the exact amount that we think it would be reported as. But again, if we're talking about a difference of, what did I say? Was it uh, it was eighty five thousand nine hundred sixteen dollars? I mean, come on, that's uh, well, that's that's fraction. I mean, let's smaller than that. Let's just say this, and and then we'll we'll turn it over for if anybody has anything left that they want to ask or, or say. Um, here's what we: th- there are only a few possibilities about how things are going to go forward in terms of the Knicks and their roster and their rotation for the season. Um. And a couple caveats. Uh, Jalen Brunson is not getting traded. Julius Randle, barring, I don't even know. Let's, Julius Randle is probably not getting traded. Um, the center position is its own entity. We don't even have to talk about the center position. Josh Hart just signed a new contract. Not getting traded. Dante Vincenzo is here. He's not getting traded. Uh, that leaves three players. Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly. If the Knicks do not make another move, then that means that all again, assuming that Tom Thibodeau continues to do what he has done his entire career, which is and by the way, again, which most coaches do far more coaches than not play his stars at least 34 minutes a game, usually more like 35 and 36. Right. If the if Brunson and Randall continue to get those minutes, which we assume that they will. That means the other guys, RJ, quickly, Grimes, um, DiVincenzo, and Hart are splitting. It, it's a, it essentially works out to like 25 minutes a pop, 25, 26 minutes a pop for those five guys. It still doesn't talk about not passing the smell test. It's still something about it still doesn't pass the smell test for me. I think it's too small. It's it's and then and just it, not enough minutes to go around. It's just not. And um, I not saying they have a deal lined up. Could we see them taking it into the season? Absolutely. I, I it's possible. But I like you would be mildly surprised if there was not something something else coming. Which, by the way, the the the, the name that we've not mentioned thus far in this live stream, and who we know. The Knicks are high on. I mean, we, we because they just picked up his contract is Deuce with Pride. So if there was to be, and I know the trade you just mentioned is not a two for one. It's a one for one. It's RJ going out and Paul George coming in. But if, no, it is a two for one. Who else? You're saying rotation out? wise. Rotation wise. Rotation wise, it would be one for one. Okay. Correct. Salary wise, it'd be two for one. So this is you. where we disagree potentially. That's fine. Um, if there were to be a two for one and a big time player comes back. Where now all of a sudden, the you're now you may not have a, enough minutes unless you go to Deuce McBride, and there's your Deuce McBride to come in there and play essentially the same minutes that Obi Toppin is playing. I see you making a face. You probably don't agree with me here, but I'm just well, that was also the beer coming up. But I'm good. <laughs> we're, we're fine. No, uh, it was it was a mixture of both, but like eighty percent beer and twenty percent skepticism. Just. It's fair skepticism because, I mean, again, we're, we're, then we're talking about they're turning over a big portion of their roster. Well, here's the thing. If there is a world where you can get Paul George 
that's great. But there's also an opportunity where the Knicks can have their cake and eat it too, which is that they don't remove quickly from the situation because the math is, I mean, look, if you're moving, if you're moving quickly, Emmanuel quickly, not, not at a quick pace. If you're moving Emmanuel quickly, then what that would mean is the salary part. You have to move someone else, right? So like, are they really moving two players out of the rotation? Are they moving two of their best young players remaining out of, off of the team, especially when quickly salary comes into play? Because here's how I would envision it. Let's say the Knicks did find an opportunity where they moved RJ Barrett and Evan Fournier for Paul George. We've seen everything about, I mean, how many pundits have to talk about the idea of if it doesn't go well in Philly, that Embiid would be right there, that the Knicks would be interested, that that would be the sort of move that they would make. Okay. If you're the Knicks and you're planning that, and I don't know why you wouldn't plan for that when you have Jalen Brunson and Paul George and probably even Julius Randle in the building. What does the math say about that? Okay. Well, you'd need Mitchell Robinson. That just makes perfect sense. You would not need Mitchell Robinson moving forward if you have Joel Embiid, but you need to get up to Joel Embiid's salary, right? You need to find somewhere to, to do that. And that is where Emmanuel quickly comes into play. Because if you've done this, if you've done these machinations, it's yeah. not going to be Grimes because he's in the last year of his deal. It's no. not going to be Hart. It's not going to be DiVincenzo. There is you're no talking about next summer. Talking about next clear. summer. Right. Okay. So if you overpay Emmanuel quickly and by overpay, I don't mean, oh, my God, I can't believe you got that much. It's no, no, we we're going to be in the tax. We don't care. It's fine for us to do that because we're comfortable because we just need to get the minimum salary that it gets us Joel Embiid. And that's, I think, the one thing I'm getting ahead of myself here, obviously. But if the Knicks do get Paul George and it is RJ Barrett going out and Evan Fournier going out, I fully expect Emmanuel quickly to stay so he can be continuous soup for the type of trade and the number you want to look for when Emmanuel quickly would inevitably be extended, whether it is now or whether it is in October at the deadline, you want to see if the amount that he is making in after July 1st of next year, plus the amount that Mitchell Robinson is earning yeah. is enough to facilitate a trade for Joel Embiid. That is how you have your cake and eat it too. And it's not moving Emmanuel quickly out right now. That would be very penny wise, pound foolish. So you keep him. I think you're right. And and that's how you make the math work. And then you walk in with an even better team than you had before. Because now you've gotten a legit top 10 player. You've gotten another player who's top 15 when healthy. Well, you got Jalen Brunson. Who's, I mean, I can keep going down the list. And no, again, we, this but is, that's we're not talking game. about a full we know that's year from now. And they have, right. Yeah. But so that's, that's where you go for it. And um, I just can't. It, it's just too clean. It's too fresh now that the numbers have have changed with DiVincenzo's salary. And the fact that he's taking a pay cut gives me far more hope of that type of situation unfolding compared to six days ago when we did this, or seven days ago when we did the same podcast. Well, I'll tell you what, um, Nick's got a damn good little basketball team on their hands. Not not a great team, maybe, but this team's going to be good, and they're going to come, and they will be, I believe, consistent on a night-to-night basis this year because they really are going to put out Nine guys on the floor every night, and there's just it's not gonna be any weak spots. And they're gonna and they are going to really bring an immense amount of versatility. Um, you know, and the, their one weak spot, maybe now a little little small at the wing four position. Uh, you mitigate that because of kind of how your team plays, how your smaller players play, and there's a reason that they were 
sticking by Mitchell Robinson uh, because he kind of mitigates that in his own right, as, as does Isaiah Hardenstein, by the way, and as does Julius Randle. Um, we, should, we should say that as well. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no! It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. 
Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Andrew, I don't know if we have anybody who uh, has any comments. We've been taking all kinds of super chats the last couple of days. We get some more, I guess, though. Jay Wright. Wow. The one and only <laughs> future coach of the Knicks. Are the Knicks a better team today? Minus Obi and, and plus Dante DiVincenzo. I think that they are. I think that they are because if you're you're taking away what's Obi's best skill, you're, you're losing the transition. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say that that is meaningless. But my God, are you picking up some shooting, uh, consistent shooting? You're picking up some defense. Um, I don't know that I could sit here and be like the loss of Obi's size on defense is going to be a negative because I just don't feel that way. You know, so I, I think, uh, yeah, I think they're better too. Perfectly said. Yeah. Thanks, Jay Wright. Uh, Dion Sumu, who's going to be our backup power forward? Josh Hart, unless they do something else. Uh, Tibbs has said he's comfortable with that. Um, and Fred uh, Katz talked about a little bit last night. I, The way he sees it, that's not Tibbs paying lip service to, you know, something. He, he Tibbs would not ever play a lineup. It, we, here's what we know about Tibbs. He would not give a lineup one single solitary second in a regular season game if he did not believe in it. And he gave a lineup with... Josh Hart um, at the back at the four. You could argue the most important quarter of the Knicks regular season. If I'm, I'm talking about that Miami quarter where they kind of sealed the, I mean, in essence, they almost sealed a playoff part that night, you know? Um, and he had, so clearly he believes in it. And I, yeah. Two words. Paul George. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I love you. <laughs> Brian Benjamin, I don't see IQ being here with this trade. So Jeremy just talked about it. I don't think we need to go over it again. Um, the, I, I do think the money will be interesting. Um, and can I can I just say one thing quick to, to kind of play devil's advocate to what you just said before? Is there a team that makes the Knicks an offer they can't refuse for Emmanuel quickly? I'm saying I'm asking rhetorically. I don't I don't know the answer to that question. I, I just I wonder if that would impact anything. It all it's all about opportunity cost, right? Like if you were depending on quickly to be the salary filler that you need as that continuous soup, then there is a point in which you can't let him go. If he is the end goal, if he is the determining factor, if you're the Knicks between potentially getting Joel Embiid and not getting Joel Embiid because the way that the CBA is structured, it's harder to add salary, then he should not be traded. In fact, there's an argument that because of the money, he is untouchable. That is not Emmanuel quickly. The player is untouchable. That is what the avenues he can give you makes him untouchable because it gives you an exit strategy. Whereas it wouldn't otherwise. If, if, if they were to deal RJ this summer. Right? That's the, mm-hmm. what you just said is contingent on them dealing RJ this summer, right? Yes. Okay. 
So I guess my pushback would be if they if someone made them an, a too good to be true offer for quickly, then they just don't trade RJ. Well, you know, what's a too good to be true offer for quickly? I, I mean, we could sit here and go through fake trades like a, a team giving them maybe some real draft equity. Um, but they have, draft you know, equity. a salary. Well, no, it wouldn't be a salary because quickly makes right. so little unless it's packaged with Fournier. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I know you, they have a lot of draft equity. I know. But, sure. but again, if you're again, if you are thinking of the big guy in Philly, if they go that route. I mean, who the hell knows? Because what I don't know what Daryl Moore's priorities would be at that point. But like you, other teams that have traded stars have wanted as more. Just give me the most picks you could get, you know. So if there's an additional unprotected future pick that the Knicks could throw into it from whatever team, if there's one floating around out there that some team probably uh, that a team possesses that isn't belonging to them, it's a, somebody other. It's some other team's unprotected first that they have acquired in a trade. If someone was willing to put something like that on the table. For Emmanuel Cookie, that's all. I just I'm throwing it out there. I I agree with you. It's unlikely. Yeah, I because I mean, look at how many two threes are on the roster right now. And if you strip quickly away, then it's Brunson or it's Deuce, and Deuce does not have the requisite experience to get to that point. Um, also, again, if Deuce is still here, I would extend him. I stand by that. That also gives you more salary to play with. You sure. then have Obi Toppin's six point eight million dollar traded player exception. You have money to play with. You know you're going to be in the tax, so you say screw it. Um, but it, it really it kind of comes down to what you have thought about and talked about and preached when, when people, what? No, the RJ thing. No, no, I wasn't gonna say the RJ thing actually. Oh, what were you gonna say? The thing that you have been the loudest about and you've been correct on this is Tom Thibodeau prefers a nine man rotation. Yeah. And if you were to create a scenario where you're keeping quickly here, then and again, this all depends on like, let's say it is for Paul George. You're looking at a starting lineup of Brunson, Grimes, George, Randall, Robinson. And then off the bench, you're going to have Quickly. Uh, you're going to have DiVincenzo. You're going to have Hart. And you're going to have Hartenstein. And you're probably going to flex with those nine players. And the first player that goes down, unless it's you know a big man, but maybe the Knicks do then decide to go small and Hart shifts up to the four. And then you have Deuce in the frame. Like That's where you then can start to incorporate him more. Because injuries are, are inevitable. They are These players are not going to be healthy. And if you're the Knicks, you're saying, we can deal with playing small for the regular season because we know when George comes back, he'll be healthy and we'll be whole again, or at least as close to as possible. It's just, it, it gives you too many guards and wings and not enough point guards. Um, and that, that's a problem. If you as, keep quickly, if you keep right, but yeah. no, no, I'm saying if you, if you remove quickly, if you, you remove still quickly. have your, your issue with a lot of twos and threes and, players you can't really trust at the one and because i don't trust george's health at all now you're looking at because like george can run an offense obviously um where we so this is where we differ i think where we differ is i think is i think part of the benefit of divincenzo again i'm not calling divincenzo a point guard i'm not even calling divincenzo a combo guard i think with divincenzo let's just say for argument's sake you removed quickly from the equation i bet you they would feel comfortable running backup units where essentially the it's it's deuce it's divincenzo in this scenario that i'm painting it's rj hart and hardenstein there's a lot of playmaking in that even if there isn't a but there's a crap amount of shooting there like you're not you're you're putting rj hartenstein 
and RJ Hart, there, Hart there, was a, there was a bit of there was only, there's not enough shooting on that. No, like it's hard for us to talk yeah. about Obi leaving the rotation altogether because he was traded, and then the the replacement is RJ Hart Hartenstein. That's shrinking the floor, maybe arguably to an even lesser extent. No, no, you're you're right. You're you're absolutely right about that. You're absolutely right about that. Um, that's fair. Look, let's. Let's see what happens. Uh, we're probably getting out of ourselves here. All oh, we're this- definitely getting out of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Sergio Esquival, signing your star players' friends is not ideal. Dante DiVincenzo could be a very good player, but the fact that the last two signings have been to reunite G- Jalen Brunson with his friends just itched me the wrong way. Uh, Sergio, I mean no offense when I say this, if Jalen Brunson walked into Leon Rosa's office and demanded that they hire his barber tomorrow to replace Jericho Sims as their third string center, I would go hand him a blank check with the Knicks logo on top to to that Brunson himself could make out to the barber. That's how important he is to this organization. He's the most important person in the organization. I'm I don't and by for what it's worth, I don't think this has one maybe I won't say one iota like the reason Dante DiVincenzo is like buddies with Bronson is because they played together at Villanova. The reason why he's here is because Villanova players, by and large, and it's especially true with these three guys, espouse exactly, precisely the sorts of qualities that this organization has purported to be about when it comes to the players that they roster since the day Leon Rose took over, and more importantly, since the day Tom Tippett hired as head coach. That's why I thought that DiVincenzo was here. The friendship is a nice bonus. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, if we're keeping it a buck, the Knicks happen to be acquiring players from Villanova who are friends with uh, Jalen Brunson, who are also really good players. <laughs> They're quality players like that can't be lost. Yeah. I just like there is a fine line between connections and nepotism. And to me, nepotism often insinuates that someone is not capable of doing the job. And that's how they get there. Whereas the connections certainly help that factor. And in a world, especially the basketball world, where there are so many connections and their agencies and all these other affiliations, you want to stick with the guys who are both good and who you know you can get in the door. And right now, because of Josh Hart sacrificing at least $6 million probably this year, maybe five, the Knicks were able to sign Dante DiVincenzo. And because of Dante DiVincenzo taking potentially a slight pay cut, depending on what happens, there's a chance the Knicks could make another move that gets them even better than that. So the fact that the Knicks happen to have these players who are cooperating because they're friends and also good and can lead to other better things potentially down the line, I have zero complaints about that. Yeah. Be different if they were ass, but they're not. I'm curious if what Sergio thinks about uh, Jacob Toppin getting uh, signed to a two-way. Uh, Danny Gardner, first time, long time, John. As a former redhead and long time Dante fan, I love the move, kind of into running this team back and seeing what we could do. Yeah, it's. I, mean, I can't wait to see this team play basketball. I, even if I'm they don't excited. make any other moves, I can't wait to see them play. But they're gonna be good. They're like they already were good. That's the beauty yes, of it. They, they they were good, but just think about you want to talk about how far we've come. I mean, to say nothing of how far we've come from like the 2019-20 season when you had a team that just made absolutely no sense. Think about how far we've come since just the beginning of last year where, you know, they were still figuring out. It's like Derrick Rose is still playing and Evan Fournier is still playing and like Cam Reddish is playing. And it's, you know, they have a really, really, really solid foundation here. 
as far as how they want to go out, how they want to play, how they're able to play. Tough. They're going to be tough teams to guard, and they're going to be a tough team to play against. Thanks, Danny. Uh, Noah. No, it's not Noah Chestnut. The Blazers just waived Trendon Wofford. You think he could be a potential OB replacement? A couple people have asked about Trendon Wofford today. Um, I mean, he would be... So, look, they could waive Roby. They could waive uh, what's Jeffries, right? They could sign Wofford to the minimum. Maybe a little higher than the minimum. Actually, no, they can't sign him to higher than the minimum. Excuse me. They could only sign him to the minimum. Unless they sign him to the biannual, right? And I don't... Are they going to go on the tax for Wofford? They wouldn't necessarily... If they give him the whole biannual, they could give him a portion of the biannual, too. Sure, right? but but again, who's giving him more than a minimum salary? You're right. We talked about this yesterday. Um, I listen. I, I to me though, if they went outside Trenton Wofford, that would only embolden my thinking that there's something else coming. Because again, they're they're not they're just they're not playing more than nine guys. Uh, sure, but here's the main thing as well with Watford. He, he takes an absurdly low volume of threes. In, like absurdly yeah. low, less than less than one a game last year, I believe. Right. So that's and again, even if you look at the per thirty six, it's not going to be a steep number. So it, it goes back to the other factor of if you are moving Obi partly because of the fact that you want better spacing at the at the four, and you get Watford in the door, he's not going to up his frequency to such a point where he's also making an impact. I understand that he hit what thirty nine percent from three, but it's misleading because the volume was just so bare bones that, that, yeah, he, that doesn't really show anything. He, he doesn't really make sense with this rot. You know who wishes probably they had Dredd the Wofford right now? It's Portland. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. We, we don't have to talk about the Blazers. Shout out to Blazers fans. Just a great bunch. Uh, Anthony Rini, help me understand the excitement behind the signing. Uh, is he not just a worse version of Quickly on a team that still employs Quickly? Did we Do we beat Miami last year with Dante DiVincenzo? To me, these are just all of the wrong questions. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's. I mean, I'm sorry, Anthony, but it's just binary thinking. You had a chance to to add a, a incredibly versatile player that again could translate to any team in the league because of the skill set that he brings, and you had a chance to do it at a number. Forget about the number being fair, which it is, but it is a tool at your disposal. The mid level exception. It's not quite. Use it or lose it because and we don't have to sit here and talk about, you know, future salary cap, this and that and the other thing. But like, in a sense, it is user to lose it. So it's like here. Do you want that? They do each other with this number or not. You want him. You want him seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Um, and if that means that there is some overlap at the time being, you you deal with it and you figure it out later. All that does is give you more ammo to make your team better. Um, and oh, by the way, if there is one position in the league where you can't have enough of, it's two-way wings who could shoot, you know, and and put the ball on the floor and are, are smart basketball players and like try hard. It's like the, it's, every team wants these guys, which is why I'm I'm not shocked we got him at the mid-level, but I think there was a real market for him. I think there was a lot of teams, and I think the fact that it got around that he was probably always coming to New York is maybe partially why some of these other teams that were rumored to be in contention for him. Um, we saw them make signings yesterday that essentially took them out of the DiVincenzo running. That was an accident, you know, like this guy's a good player. And I, I'm not going to say anything about the quickly part. I think you're going to like watching him. I'll just say that. He's also, it's not fair to, 
and again, I don't mean this is disrespect to Anthony. It's more if you have him kind of like, is he the person who's the difference between the Knicks winning the series against the Heat and not? DiVincenzo did not shoot particularly well, right, for, in the playoffs, if memory serves. He didn't, um, but his uh, for as poorly as he shot in the playoffs, his effective field goal percentage was like still pretty good. Sure. He would have helped, I would imagine. But then it's imagine. It doesn't. He's not the needle mover. I think it's more just he gives you the flexibility, especially as the Knicks keep building. Because the one thing that like, look at this, the um, the Suns prime example. They walked in the door with three elite players, right? All right. You know, in various degrees of elite. And what was their depth? It was DeAndre Ayton, who whose value was so low that they couldn't move him. Uh, It was Cameron Payne. And it was a bunch of minimum minimum salary guys that they had to sign. I mean, they, they let Jock Landau go. Um, and that's another imperative, by the way. Jock, my style. I like that one. That's the one I'm going to go with. Uh, you get Jock Landau going to Houston. You're losing some of your good depth, your cash strap, because it's really hard for you to add salary. The smartest thing for the Knicks to keep doing, because they do not have a true, legitimate, elite MVP-type player, is to keep adding depth, keep adding good depth, trade from your depth, and then keep keep working that way. So you keep going towards the top. Um, and you you basically go from the ground up in terms of collect the players who are towards the bottom of the rotation and then go for the middle players. And then eventually you wind up with a really winning talent. So that's kind of where it's at. I don't see as DiVincenzo as a solution. I see him as someone who gives you added uh, depth when you are really going to need it moving forward and adding salary becomes harder and harder. And you're, um, you're not getting players who make the difference in a second round playoff series for $12 million. And by the way, for what it's worth, I'm not saying Dante DiVincenzo was a better player than Manuel quickly, but um, in terms of, if we're looking at guys who could juice this offense a little bit and the things that are important specifically to juice the Knicks offense, Emmanuel quickly last season had an assist percentage of 17.7. Dante DiVincenzo last season had an assist percentage of 17.6. Dante DiVincenzo last season, or Emmanuel quickly last season in 81 games hit 96 catch and shoot threes for a conversion rate of um, 39%. uh, In I already said that uh, Dante DiVincenzo hit a ton of catch and shoot threes. Uh, with the Warriors last year, 132 cash and shoot threes in 72 games for a conversion rate of 42.5%. So, like, again, you're looking for guys that you can play with Jalen Brunson and can play with Julius Randle. And and what do you want around those guys? Guys to keep the offense moving. And when they get the ball behind the arc, fire, make. That's what this guy does. It's a good player. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, busy. The dedication of the KFS staff is unmatched. Thank you for going live and covering everything. Nick's as it happens. I'm shocked that Busy has. There's no Tibbs criticism here. There's nothing. Not, there's nothing. It's just positivity from Busy. <laughs> I love you. Well, it's you know it's appreciated. It is appreciated. That's what we're thank here for. you. And we um, we're honored that we're honored to have the role that we do, and for, for that people you know know to come here and. Um, Kevin Danishevsky, I'm, I'm looking at the the MB tweet is is making some waves. Uh, hey yo, good ad. Like the culture the Knicks are building. I wonder if we see more of Randall with the backup unit now to prevent RJ Hart minutes. I like where Kevin's 
Pat is that. So last season, usually Randall uh, plays the entire fourth quarter. Oh, sorry, Andrew. Let me. I have to interrupt my response to Kevin and say what he's. Andrew's telling me to say what the Embiid tweet was. So Joel Embiid tweeted his first tweet of the summer. Apparently, it's basketball related. He just tweeted the watcher. So he's watching. What is Joel Embiid watching? I don't know. Maybe he's watching the watcher on Netflix. I've oh, never seen yeah. an episode of that show. Andrew's saying from what if? Yes, the watcher I from what if? He's the bald guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's the Witcher? Oh, I, I'm confusing the Witcher and the, the Witcher. Watcher. Yes. Okay, that's a bad job by me. Apology, everybody, for my camera and my mic. The Witcher is the show on Netflix. Yes. The Watcher is the storyteller on what if that you're thinking of. That's what I took from Embiid's tweet, that he's watching over all of this and taking notes. Or maybe he just likes the Marvel's what if. Or that could be it, too, and just decided on the day that Twitter broke that he's just going to send out a tweet. So who knows? You never know. Um, last season, uh, Randall would play usually the entire fourth quarter. That's interesting. If they pull, if they essentially have Brunson being the one who plays the entire fourth quarter, you pull Randall early. I guess what does that accomplish? Um, it gives you more minutes with Randall and gives you more minutes with Randall and Hart. So uh, let's take a step back. Yes, potentially, but I'm like I, I like to think of when Randall came back for the Miami series, or actually yeah. it's probably the, the Cleveland, Cleveland it might've been. Um, yeah, it was Cleveland when he was building up his endurance and Tibbs took him out with like three or four minutes to go in the first quarter and then had Obi come in and then subbed Randall back early in the second quarter. And I think that's what caught the Cavs off guard. Uh, I'd like to see that sort of thing where that's when you bring Hart into the, into the picture. Um, but you could also move RJ out and then you could sub RJ back in. Like there are a lot of different, permutations they could go about with this but um but yes i i I liked what we saw in terms of randall with the backup unit in the playoffs even though it was brand new so i like where kevin's head is at here yeah it's fine uh kevin another one or alternatively grimes at the three Hart at the four with the subs i you know what you know what i like and what i want to see more of and this is tough with rj running backup units but like the notion of Grimes, DiVincenzo, and Hart, those three guys, that's exciting to me. I like that thought. I like them with Quickly. I like them with Deuce. Because, um, I mean, yeah, Grimes could shoot. DiVincenzo could shoot. Hart, not as much. He can shoot, but he's more hesitant. And then those guys with Hardenstein, that's just a fun that's a fun grouping, that trio. I wonder how much we'll get to see it. As uh, Andrew said in the comments, I like them with Paul George. I, I like them that. with Paul that George, is, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 